he's enjoying his time, and so uh, I let him know we all missed him. So just want to give you an update on that. All right, you ready for the word? Yes. Do you ever feel the, the need for greater faith? Is anybody? Yeah? It's not a trick question. <laughs> the disciples felt that need. In fact, in Luke 17, 1, the, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So if faith can be increased, that means we can have greater faith. So we're continuing this sermon series on greater, it's our word for the year, and, and today I'm speaking on greater faith, greater faith. And I love 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 through 4, which says this. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. Your faith is growing more and more. If, if Paul was writing a book to our church, like he wrote it to the, the, the church in, in, in Thessalonica, could he say to us, your, your faith is growing more and more. And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Amen. We ought to do a sermon on greater love. There you go, Deb. There's your verse. <laughs> Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. Now, I see a couple of truths here. Number one, faith can grow. It can grow more and more. Faith can increase. Faith can become greater. But you know, Pastor Zeb preached an awesome message last week on greater blessings. If you didn't hear that, you need to go online and hear it because it's great. But our faith is not just to believe God for greater blessings. In this case, Paul says the greater faith is to trust God even when persevering through trials. So to me, greater faith means having faith to believe God for greater things and greater blessings, but also faith to trust God in all things and in all situations. Faith to have tough, tough faith in, in tough times. We need both. We need to believe God for great things. Some people do that, but they don't trust God. Some people trust God, but they're not really believing him for, for greater blessings. We need both to have greater faith. Now, there's several kinds of faith mentioned in the Bible. I'm not going to preach on them today. I'm just going to mention them to you. There's saving faith. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We're saved by faith, not by works. Then there's the gift of faith. We found the, the gifts of the Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians 12, and he says, to one is given the tongues and another in the interpretation of tongues. But he says, to others, the same Spirit gives faith. There is a supernatural gift of faith. There is in what Romans 12, 3 calls the measure of faith. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So that means you have some faith. You got some faith because God has given to each of us, each of us who, have, who are believers in Jesus Christ, he's given us a measure of faith, but it's up to us to use it. It's up to us to strengthen it. It's up to us to, to grow in it. And all of us go through times when we need greater faith. There's times when we struggle with doubt. There's times when we feel weak in our faith. But the Bible teaches us how to build greater faith. Now, I told you that, that that desire for greater faith goes all the way back to the 
the original 12 disciples. And I read you part of that verse earlier. I want to read you more out of Luke 17, 5 through 6. It says, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. By the way, do you know what happened right before they, they asked for an increase in faith? Jesus taught about forgiveness. And he said, if somebody sins against you seven times in one day, you still need to forgive them. And the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. That's what happened right before that. He said, somebody wrongs you, forgive them. Not just once, not just twice, seven times, and that, that, that doesn't mean at number eight you can be unforgiving. Seven's a number of completion. It's however many times it happens we're, we're called to forgive. By the way, that shows us that unforgiveness can be a faith problem. And usually that's because we want to make somebody pay. If you're trying to make somebody pay for what they've done, you, you're already in operating in the wrong spirit. And you're already not op- you're operating out of the, the realm of faith. Uh, 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 but instead, we need to have enough faith in God to trust him to deal with them according to his wisdom and his grace and his timing. God knows how to deal with them better than you do. But somehow we think we need to make them pay. But that's why they said, Lord, you need to increase our faith. I don't know if I, if I, if I have enough faith to be able to do that. So Jesus taught them then about the, the mustard seed principle. He said, we've got to have faith like a mustard seed. He doesn't really explain it. But fortunately, we have two other times in the New Testament where he taught on the mustard seed, and so it kind of gives us some more insight. One of those times was when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain. You remember Peter, James, and John were with him, and, and Elijah and Moses showed up. There's somebody else. Was it them too? Or was it, it was them too, right? Somebody should know that. I should know that, but it's just. <laughs> and he was transfigured in front of them. They, they saw him in all his glory. Most of the time here, his glory was veiled, but they, they saw him in, in all of his glory. And when he came down the mountain out of that glory, all of a sudden he was confronted by, by a, a man with a, with a demon-possessed son. And the disciples that were left down below had not been able to cast that demon out. But Jesus did it. And in Matthew 17, 19 through 20, it says that the disciples came to Jesus in private. It says, man, why couldn't we? They didn't say man, but why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Notice he didn't say you must have great faith. He said that even a little faith can accomplish great things. And this is the mustard seed principle that little is much when God is in it. Listen, mustard seed faith is never dismayed by the size of the mountain because it does not consider its own small size. It only recognizes the size of God and believes that nothing is too difficult for him. 
we get our eyes on how big the mountain is or the giant is or the problem is instead of how big God is. Listen, you have mustard seed faith when you quit, quit telling God how big your mountain is and you start telling your mountain how big your God is. When you stop telling God about how big your problem is and you start telling your problem how big God is. That's what mustard seed faith is about. Jesus taught more about the mustard seed in Matthew 13, 31 through 32. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. The, the, the parable of the mustard seed is about a tiny seed that grows into a large plant. And, and one application of this, there's many applications or interpretations, but one is that the kingdom starts small, but it grows large. And there is a truth to that, and that's why the Bible tells us, do not despise small beginnings. Pastor Devin and I, we started this church with four other people. It was me, her, Jerry and Trudy, and Lisa and David Creed. There was six of us all together. That was it. And sometimes we have people coming to us, starting a new ministry or a new small group, and they say, oh, pastor, I'm so disappointed only three or four people showed up. And I say, three or four people showed up? We started this church with four people. Don't despise small beginnings. You can grow something great in the kingdom of God with a small beginning. That's usually the way it happens. That's the way it happened with Jesus. He didn't come on the scene and all of a sudden have a big marketing team and have a big crusade and put up a tent outside Jerusalem and, and have miracle meetings and all that stuff. He started with a couple guys on a beach and he said, follow me. And it grew from there. Don't despise small beginnings. I'm going to show you a picture of a mustard seed. Look how tiny that is. Look at that. Little bitty seed. Little bitty seed that can grow into a, a tree. It's smaller than a grain of wheat, yet its growth is spectacular. It can grow up to 10 or 12 feet tall. And, and again, it shows you that great results can come from a very tiny beginning. And I'm telling you, if you can grasp this, it can revolutionize your life because this mustard seed is kind of an illustration of the potential that, that's inside each of us. You only need something about that size. That's all you need. And Jesus compared us to this, to this seed, which was so small, it, it, it can be blown out of your hand by a, a little breeze it seems like, like it's something that's insignificant. And I know some people feel insignificant. But the lesson here is there, there's great untapped potential in the mustard seed. The mustard seed grows to become a giant plant. where uh, uh, That potential was there in that tiny little seed all along. That's why you need to nurture it, even when it's small. In your children, you got to nurture something when you see something in them. Even though it's small, there's potential. There's untapped potential and, and, and unseed, uh, unseen until the seed is planted. And then it begins to grow. And, and one of the teachings of the kingdom is that there, there was this potential for greatness inside of us. Each of us has a seed of faith residing in us. In Luke 17, 20 through 21, Jesus said, the kingdom of God does not come with careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Yeah. 
Can you say this? The kingdom of God, kingdom of God. It was, is within me. If you're born again, the kingdom of God is in you. Listen, this is not some new age teaching that we are all gods. We are not. There is a God and you're not him. There is one God, but he lives within all of those who have given their hearts and their lives to him and through faith in Jesus Christ. And in Christ, we have this potential to be all that God wants us to be. We have the, the, the privilege, the absolute privilege to tap into the greatest resource of all, the power of God. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. But first, we've got to begin to understand this mustard seed concept. And, and we've got to begin to have a, a bigger and bigger and greater revelation of who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. It's important to, for us to see what God can do in us and what God can do through us if we will only surrender to him as we did today and be available to him. Do you want to see growth in your life? Do you want to achieve your full potential in Christ? Certainly you do. I believe all of us want to succeed as a believer in, in, our, in our lives. We want our children to succeed, our spouses to succeed. We want our church to succeed in, in filling its vision, fulfilling its vision and calling to reach others and to touch heaven and to change earth. We want to be part of a great work that God is doing. We want to live our lives that count for something of eternal, uh, 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 eternal value. There's this desire for that greatness in all of us because God has placed eternity in our heart and we've got to realize we are like the mustard seed, insignificant in ourselves, but with great potential Amen. for greatness because of the power of God. And some of you say, well, you know, I want to do something for God, but I, I, just, I just can't. I could never do something for God. I, I don't have what it takes. I'm limited in my gifts, I'm limited in my talents, I'm limited in my resources. Listen, you listen? If that's you, that is precisely the point of the mustard seed principle. You are limited. We are all limited. None of us have it all. None of us have all the strength or all the wisdom but all what we got to have is, is faith in the power of God to work in us and to work through us. God has placed within us far more than you can imagine. He's placed within us the very life of his son. He's placed within us the very power of his spirit. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal body. It lives within you. So I want to encourage you today. You don't have to start big. In fact, you probably shouldn't. You start, God starts small and he grows it. God uses the small things, the, the seemingly insignificant things. And, and so we are all much like that mustard seed. We have potential. It's locked up in that seed, but we have potential to fulfill God's amazing plan for our lives. But here's the key. If you want to achieve greater things in life, you don't need greater faith in yourself. You need greater faith in God. The world's way is you just need to believe in yourself and, and say good things about yourself and, 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 and just work yourself up and, and build yourself up. But, but, but God's way is no. You, in yourself, you're insufficient. But in me, you are sufficient. In, in yourself, you can do nothing. But, but in Christ, you can do all things. That's what we need, greater faith in God. So when we're down on ourselves, it shows us where our faith is. 
I can't accomplish this because I am this or I am that or I can't do this or I can't do that. Well, no, you never will then because you can't. The Bible says none of us are sufficient as ministers. He made us sufficiency. Our sufficiency is in him. And so as long as your mind is on how small your little bitty seed is, you're never going to accomplish something. But if you will plant that thing, if you plant it and get in the word and get the word in you and begin to believe God for greater things and begin to believe that it's his power, it's his wisdom, it's his goodness that's going to get it done, you can accomplish great things through greater faith faith in God. By the way, there's two times in the Bible where Jesus said someone had great faith. Twice. Think for a minute and think if you can think of it. One's in Matthew 15, 23 through 28. A Canaanite woman came to Jesus crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. You ever pray and nothing was said back? So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She only keeps crying out after us. So he said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. So he's basically telling her no. First, he didn't say nothing. Now he's telling her no. And then the woman came and worshiped him, pleading, Lord, help me. He replied, it's not, he's, no, it's not right to take the children's bread and to toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. <clears throat> what a story. This woman shows us what great faith looks like. Great faith, first of all, she came to Jesus. Great faith goes to Jesus. It doesn't go to ourselves. It doesn't go to somebody else. It doesn't go to some other expert. Yes, there's time to look to other people for other things, but ultimately you got to go to God. And then she began to cry out to him. We've got to go to Jesus and begin to cry out to him and, 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 and just believe. And, and she kept on crying out from him, to him so much that people were trying to send her away. And then she changed her cry to a cry of worship and, and she began to worship him. And then Jesus healed her daughter. And listen, this is what we need to do. We've got to go to Jesus. We've got to cry out to Jesus. We've got to keep crying out for Jesus. When we don't get an answer, keep crying out for, to Jesus. And above all, cry out and worship, began to worship him for who he is and what he's done in the past, and the, he, that he will see that great faith, and great faith is what moves him. Now listen to Matthew 8, 5 through 13. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering, and Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. 
The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell you, I, I tell this one, go and he goes. I tell that one, come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. In this passage, Jesus marveled at this centurion's great faith. And that great faith moved Jesus to perform a great miracle. The interesting thing in these two stories, the only two in the New Testament where Jesus said someone had great faith, neither one of them was Jewish. Neither one of them was from a a tribe of Israel. They were outside of God's covenant of Israel. So it's safe to say they did not keep the law as, as Israel was required to do. That meant their faith in God and their confidence in God had nothing to do with their own performance or their lifestyle. It had nothing to do with themselves. They just had great faith for Jesus to heal someone they deeply cared about. And whenever we can get a glimpse of how mighty God is, how awesome he is, how loving he is, and if we can connect to his heart of love, for people like he does, it will dramatically impact our faith and how we relate to other people. And and this is what Jesus saw in both of them. They didn't come to get something for themselves. They came to see other people set free and healed. And they used their faith to help others know and experience God's power. And that's what great faith is all about. When you start seeing God's heart to bless others, when you start seeing God's heart to forgive, when you start seeing God's heart to heal, when you start seeing God's heart to set people free, the, uh, and when you, when you start seeing God wanting to help those who are struggling and defeated in life, then you, something will rise up in you, the compassion of Christ, and the same type of great faith that caused Jesus to marvel. By the way, just as there's only two times when Jesus said there was great faith, there's, there's also two times in the Bible where Jesus marveled. The, the biblical Greek word for marvel is to gaze at in wonder. It could be in admiration or it could be in astonishment, amazement. And there were two times when Jesus marveled, was astonished, And both times had to do with faith. The first time was in Matthew 8. I just read it to you when the centurion, uh, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus marveled at his faith. But in Mark 6, Jesus went to his own hometown and could do no miracles there. Why? Because of the people's unbelief, their lack of faith. And the Bible says he marveled because of their unbelief. Two things astonished Jesus. Great faith and no faith. He marvels when he sees great faith. And he marvels when he sees unbelief. Great faith results in kingdom authority and no faith results in no authority. Great faith results in the miracles and no faith results in nothing. And Jesus marveled at the faith of the centurion because he found faith where one would not expect faith. And he marveled at the lack of faith in his hometown because he did not find faith where you would expect to find faith. So 
Jesus can marvel one way or the other. Great faith, no faith. There are several times when Jesus said people had little faith. In Matthew 6.30, Jesus said, those who don't trust God to provide for them have little faith. On another occasion, Jesus said that the disciples had little of faith, little faith when they were afraid that their storm, their, their boat was gonna sink in the storm. And the story of Peter walking on the water, when, it, when, the, when Peter began to sink, Jesus said, you have little faith. When the disciples were concerned about a lack of bread, even after Jesus had multiplied bread for thousands, uh, 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 multiple times, uh, Jesus said they had little faith. Here's the, the, the good news. Now, this is the great news. In each of these stories, Jesus still worked miracles on behalf of those despite their little faith. God's not limited by your faith level. Jesus saved the disciples on the cal- on, on, and calmed the stormy sea even though they had little faith. Jesus saved Peter from drowning even though he had little faith. Jesus provided for the disciples' needs even though they had little faith. By, by, the, by the way, almost every time in the Bible when somebody's faith was increased, there was a, a direct result of a greater revelation of God or of who Jesus was. The disciples in the boat, when Jesus calmed the storm, all of a sudden, where they had feared the storm, now all of a sudden they had a fear of God, like, who is this? Who is this man that calms this storm? They had a greater revelation of who he was that results in greater faith. And see, either God spoke a word that gave them insight or did something that gave a greater revelation of who he is. And remember, when our view of God is small, our faith will be small. Greater understanding of God's word and, and God's ways always result in greater faith. So if you need greater faith, listen to me, you're in good company. John the Baptist, his faith was tested when he was put in prison. He even sent some of his disciples, go, go ask Jesus, say, are, are you really the, the Messiah? Are you really the one? And Jesus answered in a way that gave John evidence for greater faith, and that enabled John to have greater faith to endure the persecution that he went through. Simon Peter's faith was, was tested the night that he denied knowing Jesus, but Jesus came to him after his resurrection, sat down with him, spoke to him in a way that resulted in Peter having greater faith and And Peter went from the one who denied Christ to the leader of the church in Jerusalem, a man who wrote two books of the New Testament. Elijah had a crisis of faith when Jezebel threatened his life. And God, he ran and and God chased him down and he was in a cave and God spoke to him. Not in a whirlwind, not in a fire, not in an earthquake. He spoke to him in a still, small voice, which gave Elijah greater faith, which enabled him to continue to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Gideon had absolutely zero faith when he was hiding out from the enemy of God and an angel shut up and said, Almighty man of valor, I want you to lead my army to victory over the enemy. And Gideon was like, who? Me? My clan is the weakest in the weakest tribe, and I'm the weakest of my family. I am the weakest of the weak of the weak. You couldn't get any weaker than me. But God spoke to him in signs and wonders, and God said to him, Listen, go in the strength that you have. He just said, I don't got no strength, I'm weak. 
And God said, that's enough. You know why? Because God said, I will be with you. And you will defeat the enemies. That enabled Gideon to lead the army of God to victory over the enemy. David and his men lost everything at Ziklag. Their, their, their families were taken captive. But David began to encourage himself in the word of God, strengthening himself in the Lord. And it resulted in greater faith that resulted in them going after the enemy and getting everything they lost back. They got it all back. I could go on and on and on with Bible heroes who had a crisis of faith, but they came out of it with greater faith. And God will do the same for you. You might be in a situation that causes you to say, God, I I don't understand, but God can speak to you and give you great faith that will say, God, I trust you even though I don't understand. That is greater faith. You can be in a storm that seems like will drown you, but God can give you a word that will cause you to walk on your water. You can be in a situation where somebody in your life is bound up with an addiction or a sinful lifestyle. It might seem like no one can help them, but Jesus says everything is possible for him who believes at those times We need to be like that father of that demon-possessed son who said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, increase my faith. Lord, I need greater faith. Then get into the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you need a word from God that builds your faith. Pray in the spirit because praying in the Holy Ghost builds up your faith. There's nothing more faith building than knowing that the Holy Spirit of God is praying the perfect will of God through you about your situation. Ask God. The the Bible says desire earnestly the best gifts. Man, if you're having trouble with faith, the best gift for you right then is the gift of faith. When's the last time you asked God for the spiritual gift of faith? Ask God to give you the gift of faith to believe him and to trust him. Get around people of faith rather than people of doubt, people that build you up rather than tear you down. Be like the mustard seed and have greater faith that even though you are weak, your God is all-powerful. Even though you start small, he can do amazing things. Even though you have no answers, God God has all the answers. Even when you are faithless, he remains faithful. Aren't you glad of that? Hallelujah. Stand to your feet and give him some praise. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful. Thank you, God, for increasing faith. Thank you, God, for for the miracles you do in our lives. Thank you, God, Lord, for all that you are. God, we realize that Apart from you, we can do nothing. But God, give us a faith to believe you that through you, we can do all things. We say like the disciples, Lord, increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come down. I talked today about the saving faith, and that's the beginning. That's, that's a place to start. If you've never been saved, if you've never been born again, if you've never given your heart or your life to Jesus, Today's a day to do that. We would love to pray for you, to help you in that. If you need to be filled with the Spirit, you need the power of God in your life. If you need a prayer for healing, a prayer for a miracle, financial provision, you want to pray for somebody else, whatever you need, we would love to pray for you.